Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. My message this morning is titled, Proof is in the Pudding. Some of you are familiar with that cliche. How many of you have ever heard that said before, the proof is in the pudding? Right. Not pudding. Pudding. Right? You get, just want to make sure we get that right. Um, with pudding, you could be confused in the color. You could be confused in the texture. But when you taste it, you should know what you're eating. I have referred to a man in the past in my life that I call um, the real deal Christian. He lived it, he walked it, he talked it, he was committed to it, he gave in every way to further the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And while I knew him from the ages of about, well, I was about eight years old, I knew who he was. I may have met him before that even, but I knew him by the age of eight. and But I worked for him from the ages of 13 through 23, off and on, I worked for him. Yeah, that was back in the day when 13-year-olds actually worked a job to earn some income in their lives. If they wanted stuff, there you go. There's a job you can do. And it was very difficult in the state of Florida. He left, this gentleman left a wonderful impression on me. He passed away last year, I believe it was, a genuine southern gentleman, Charles Ray Cowart is his name. In many ways, he exemplified what it is to be a Christian, a man and a Christian. But the reality is nobody did this better than Jesus. There was, however, there some disciples that exemplified this extraordinarily. And the fact is millions of Christians have, have exhibited what it is to walk out the gospel of Jesus Christ in their lives. They've done this throughout the centuries. And I say that because I want to remind you today I want to encourage you. You can do this. You really can walk with the Lord. And I know you're thinking, well, this is a different age. This is a different time. Those are excuses to not walk it right. You can do this. It was not easier during for Smith Wigglesworth to walk with Jesus than it is for you. Yeah, there are things in your life that are different from his time, but you could just as easily walk away from Jesus in the 1800s like you can right now. You can do this. You will frequently, frequently hear me talk about the fact that I do not want to lead a church that only has a history of uh, the full power and anointing of God. 
I don't want us to have something that's just about the past. I don't want to talk in the church about what used to be and what God used to do. Anybody else out there like that with me? I, I, I love what God did in the past. I love giving glory to the Lord for the great and magnificent things that God was doing in the past. How many of you have heard that God's on the move in Asbury, Kentucky right now? Yeah, I mean, God's a God of the present day. And he, and he, Asbury College, I don't know what town that is in Kentucky, but Wilmar? So, anyway, and you look it up on YouTube. If, you, if this is news to you, look it up. God's on the move at a college, and, and, and it's, it's amazing what he's doing. I want to serve a God that's a God of the present actively doing his works today. How about you? Did you know that the same power that was available to Christ is available to you? You were supposed to shout amen right there. Every one of you Pentecostals failed miserably. Did you know that the power and anointing that was available to Jesus is available to you? So my goal is to help you recapture and possess what we ought to be or who we ought to be as a spirit-powered church of today. Spirit-empowered. Followers of Jesus Christ. But oddly enough, I'm going to the Old Testament to start this. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, why don't you stand while we read the word? Go. And live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. That's encouraging, isn't it? But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead of, and do what, just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be 
flower. Say always. And olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did, as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It is sharp, and that which your word is destined to accomplish, I thank you that it will be accomplished in this room to every ear that hears this word, every ear that hears it through the live broadcast, and even in years to come, should they listen to it, God. It will do exactly what your word is intended to accomplish this day in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I think you will admit or understand when I say this that Elijah is staring at lack. If you're taking it notes, that's your first Roman numeral one, staring at lack. The word says he came to the gates of the village. Now, you know that's typical for their day and time. Their cities or their little villages would have would be a gated community. And so you entered a, a village or a town or a city, if you will, through gates. And when he got there, he saw this woman gathering sticks. Now, chances are she's gathering sticks just outside of the gates because inside there wouldn't be places where she could naturally get get these sticks. Now, let me give you the history, a little bit of the context, if you will. This is during the reign of King Ahab. And, And he's described as more evil than any other king before his time. That's literally what the Word of God says about him. He brought in or brought uh, to the people what was Baal worship, B-A-A-L, as well as Asherah worship. He married Jezebel, who was a vile woman and was really responsible for the increase of Baal worship. Now, the nature and manner of, of worship for these two gods, little g, involved very lewd practices. And some of you choose to keep your children in here, so I can only say just so much. But take my word for it when I tell you lewd practices, as called worship. Um, they were considered fertility gods, especially Asherah. And that was for plants, animals, even humans. Uh, The Asherah was supposed to increase uh, worship of Asherah was to make everything that you were about fertile. Worshippers of Baal would cut themselves to invoke his acts or actions, his help. Worshippers of Asherah would commit evil or perverted sects acts in the name of worship. 
And you can look this up. You can do your own Bible study and, and find out these things. And these acts angered God. These were the children of God, and they were being led by a leadership that was far away from God, trying to lead them down paths that were not godly. Does that sound like any place you know these days? Don't say too much, preacher. You're going to get political. I've said what I need to say. You would have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to know that we have politicians that are leading us down places and going down directions that are not from God. And you can be grateful that we do not live in the Old Testament time frame because if we did, then certainly the judgment of God would fall upon us. But you are in an age of grace and you live in a nation that has millions of real believers who love God. And if God would not have destroyed Sodom for a handful of people that loved him, he will not destroy America when there are millions who really love him. And so, again, keeping you in context, God sends Elijah to King Ahab, and, and, and he tells King Ahab, it will not rain in this territory except at my word. Are you listening to me now? Elijah says to the king, who is used to getting things his way, right? Kings, in that day and age, what they said, what they commanded, that happened. But Elijah said to King Ahab, it'll not rain unless I give the word. And at that, Elijah is told by the Lord to go hide by a brook called Cherith. And, and he is fed by ravens until the brook dries up because there's no rain. You're still with me. And why I'm telling you that is because even when Elijah asked the woman, can I have a drink of water, it's a big ask. And, and here's the word from God. God sends Elijah to a widow in Zarephath saying, hear these words, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you in verse 9. Do you hear that? I've commanded a widow woman there to provide for you. Having read the, and preached this passage many, many times, I had still missed something that's vital in it. Did you notice that when Elijah encounters the woman, it doesn't appear that God has said anything to the woman. Right? Do I need to go back to the story? Because she's going to get a drink, a cup of water. That's all I, Elijah asked for. But on the way, you know how it is when you, when you're, you, you husbands, you ask your wife, do you mind, honey, would you give me a, a I, I just need a, gr a drink from the kitchen. And while you're up, could you throw in a couple of cookies and slice me a piece of that pie while you're out there? This is what Elijah does. He said, while, while you're, would you mind getting me some bread to eat? And it's at that point that she responds, 
It doesn't even appear she knows he's a man of God. Because she doesn't say anything that indicates that, right? She doesn't say something like, Oh, man of God, I, I detect that you're a prophet of God. And so I'll do exactly what you say. <laughs> no. There's no visit of an angel to this woman in Zarephath. And there's no strange event to gain her attention. Um, it doesn't appear God said anything to her. It doesn't even appear she understands he is a prophet. prophet and, and, and if this were one of us, you know what we would say? Lord, you've got some explaining to do. I have instructed a widow woman there in Zarephath to sustain you. What he's seeing with his eyes and hearing with his ears doesn't sound like God has said anything to the woman. Right? You're still with me, right? I'm not making this up. This is here in the Word. You can read it all again for yourself and you'll see what I'm saying that I missed it multiple times in reading and preaching from the Scripture. I have is past tense. I have instructed, God said to Elijah. Wait a minute, God, you forgot to instruct her. And and so we would respond completely different. Lord, you told me to go teach Sunday school, but you did not tell me there were two knuckleheads and a little girl who thinks she's a princess there. Lord, you told me to to drive the van for the church on Wednesday nights, but you never told me I would get hit in the back of the head by a piece of popcorn when they had a popcorn fight. Lord, you told me to, to work in the nursery, but I just spent $85 on these shoes and a little girl peed on them. My last day. Sorry, I can't do it anymore. I uh, I feel like God's directing me somewhere. Calling me to something else. When it gets hard, when it doesn't look like you thought it would look like, when the preacher said, I need your help at the church on Saturday, can you show up, give me a couple hours work, and it turns into four and a half hours, and you actually break a sweat in the process. This wasn't what I was thinking it was supposed to be, Lord. That's what you would have said if you were Elijah. And you show up in this. You say to the woman, would you bake me a cake? Would you bring me some bread? And she looks at you and says, well, dude, I can get you some water. But I'm about to prepare my last cake. I got just enough oil, just enough bread. I'm baking my cake and we die. Excuse me, Lord. You said, I have instructed, and this is Elijah, folks. He doesn't have our confusion on hearing God's voice. Yeah, I said that, and I meant it how I said that. He doesn't have our confusion. This is Elijah, the great prophet Elijah. 
And so I'm puzzled when I hear all of this and I begin to ask the Lord, what does all this mean? And I'll give you Roman numeral number two in your notes that you're taking. You have not. You can finish the rest of it. But I'll give you the New Living Translation in James 4 of James 4 verse 2. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. What does all that mean? That means that we scheme, we fight, and we work diligently, and we do our thing to get what we want instead of turning to God and saying, you, God, I trust you. I, I know that my finances look horrible right now. I know that my physical condition is horrible right now. I trust you, Lord. I put it on your, in your hands. It doesn't look like what I think it should look like. It doesn't feel like what I think it should feel like. But I can trust you, Lord, because you're a good, good father. And write this down if you're taking notes. You have what you say you have. Yeah, I kept it simple. You have what you say you have. Remember, this is the guy who told the king, it's not going to rain until I give the word. It's not going to rain until I give the word. Again, the king is used to getting his way. He's used to getting what he wants. But Elijah's saying, my word is more powerful than yours. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about what you have in Christ Jesus yourself, though. You have what you say you have. Sounds like positive speech. Sounds like positive thinking, preacher. Elijah understands something that we have not yet taken hold of like we should. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. Hmm. Wow. So what is, what is that saying to us? Unless Elijah tells the woman to bake me a cake first, it doesn't happen. Are you still with me? I, I got to say that again because it didn't sound like I'm convinced. I'm not convinced by the one amen I got on that. Unless Elijah bake, tells her, bake me a cake first, the miracle stops. Not just for Elijah. Not just for her, but her son. Her family is fact what the scripture says. For her family, she gets nothing if Elijah does not say, bake me a cake first. I'm sorry, I'm using King James language on you, but you get the point. So let's break down the potential failure points here. 
Let's deal with Elijah first. So if you're taking notes, Elijah first. What if he says, I don't want to go to Zarephath. I hear there's plenty of food. And Pastor Cole was just telling us last week that there's, a, uh, there's an artesian well in the land of Goshen. That's where I want to go. You were supposed to laugh because I wasn't there. And you, you were here a couple weeks ago and you heard the message on the artesian well. But... So it doesn't go over that great. All right, move on, preacher. But isn't that what exactly what we do? Isn't that exactly what? This doesn't look like I thought it should look, Lord. So I don't. You know, I know you said Zarephath, but you must have meant something else. Because I've heard there is plenty in the land of Goshen. Would have been something that he might have said. That territory over there, and, and that's that's exactly what we do. What if he says, I can't go to that widow woman? And, you know, she may think I'm hot, and I ain't got time for that. I'm a prophet. I got work to do. I ain't got time for some widow woman chasing around after me. What if when he does arrive and he spots this woman and then he hears her whining about last meal, sticks, and stuff? And he's only, he can only imagine what her house must be like if she's down to her last meal. He says, I don't, I must have the wrong woman. Lord, you said, I have. I have commanded. Lord, that's what you said. Does this sound like anything you've ever said? In other words, this doesn't look like what I'm hearing in my ear. What I'm seeing with my eyes don't look quite like what I'm seeing, what your word was. You're going to provide, Lord. I've already commanded. She's a, I, and he just left a brook where ravens were taking care of him. What if he, if he said, I don't want to leave here, Lord? You made these ravens feed me. You can continue to make the ravens feed me. But if he stays at Cherith or the brook Cherith, then he doesn't get the miracle in Zarephath. And the miracle in Zarephath is going to impact a greater number of people than him sitting quietly by a brook hiding. Time for Elijah to come out of hiding. Let's talk about the widow woman. What if she says, you're a stranger. I'll get you the water, but I'm baking my last cake and I'm sorry. I can't do what you say do. If she doesn't obey or ignores Elijah's authority, she doesn't get the miracle of provision. Oh, y'all need to catch that. Because she could say no. And guess what happens? There's another widow woman. Because God said, I have. (laughs) That's what we've got to get a hold of. We've got to get a hold of what God has. What God has said. What God possesses. And what God says we possess. I have given or I have commanded 
when God says, I've made it happen or made it so, it is so. He's like, he's on the USS Enterprise. Make it so, Scotty. I'm sorry, no Trekkies here. I was counting on my brother Michael to amen loud enough for all of you. No, yeah, 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 okay. Make it so. When God says it is so, it is so. And so if the woman said, I'm sorry, I can't do that for you, Elijah. Elijah finds another widow woman. Because God said, there's a widow woman I've spoken to. I've set my, this sounds like something the Holy Ghost would say to you today. I've set my seal, I've set my word in action. And when I set my word in action, nothing can reverse it. So you either get in on what God's spoken or you miss it. Because God would have just as easily moved on to another widow woman and that other widow woman ends up with the blessings. And the first one that we're looking at, she would have died because that would have been her last meal. And I wonder this morning who's listening to me Right now, that's one right word away from a miracle of God. One, one, uh, one yes. You're on the verge of collapse. And I wonder who's listening right now that's one yes to the miracle provision of God. One yes to what God's spoken versus what it feels like, what it looks like, what it sounds like. One yes from God's word and what he speaks. Don't forget that Elijah is acting on a word from God. Listen to the word of God for you today. Philippians 4 and 19. This is, we're going to amp it up a little bit. This is the Amplified. And my God will liberally supply, fill to the full, your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He'll liberally supply every need. According to whose riches? His riches. So who has to command the thing? Who has to set the thing in order? It's God. And when you get a word from God, it will come to pass. Ephesians 3 verse 20 puts it this way. Same amplified version. Now to him who by, in consequence of, the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do or his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. That's the God that you serve. He's able to do infinitely above what you could even dream about. 
So I ask it again. Who is in the middle of something right now? Who is on the verge of something that you just, you just need one right word or you need to come in agreement with the right word of God? And some of you, you're desperate, but you're not so desperate that you're, you're gonna hear from God. Because, because some of you haven't called out well, long enough, hard enough to where you're, where you're getting a word from God that He speaks it into the depth of your spirit because that's what you need to carry you through to your miracle. Remember I said, if she bakes her own cake first, it's her last cake. We must learn to give God our first fruits. I'll say it again. We, we've got to learn to give God our first fruits. You know what we do? Most of us in the church, this is what we do. We negotiate with God on first fruits. We try to explain to God what our first fruit is. And God knows that you're giving him third, fourth, eighth. There's somewhere down the list. Oh, but God, you don't understand. I know, I know. I'm gonna, this is going to hurt a little bit. But let me say it. Let me get it out there because you have to understand this principle for real. First fruit. First is first. Okay, let's pause there for just one minute. First is first. You know when you're first. You know it. And you know when you're giving God something that isn't first. I know, Lord, you said that we we need to gather in for worship and we need to keep a Sabbath. We need to keep keep these Sundays unto you, but my kids, they really need exercise because they're not getting enough exercise in school, and so they really need to be a part of the baseball, the soccer, the football, or the volleyball, or the dance, or the, can I keep going? They really need this, Lord, because they got to develop their their activity skills, their their skill level. It's just it's lacking in so many ways, and and you know, God forbid, they actually have a PE class in in school during the day where they're really active and they're not sitting in front of a tablet. Oh my goodness, he said it. Yeah, uh, you said to God. You you got to understand my situation. What if that woman said that, Elijah? I you got to understand. This is all I got. Even when he says to her, "But you, listen, you bake me a cake first, and I I declare." You don't hear him say, "I am a prophet of God." I have heard from God, dear widow woman. You need to listen to me. You don't hear that, do you? He simply looks at her and says, listen, if you'll bake me a cake first, watch what God does. I declare that you will never run out of oil. You'll never run out of flour if you'll bake me a cake first. That was first fruits. 
Do you know what that is for that woman to give up? And, and you know, that I want to say to you all and to her, if I were there, well, it would be your last cake either way. So what if the last cake was the last cake? If it, give it up. Give it up to God. You've got to learn how to give yourself, your life, your household to the Lord first. Number one. You've got to figure this out. Nobody can figure it out for you. You've got to somehow get this thing figured out. Because I, I, I only know it from my own life and experience that, that was such that when I was 16 years old, I loved playing baseball. I loved baseball. And I was good, if I do say so myself. I was good. I could pitch. I could play shortstop, second base. I could hit the ball incredibly well, especially for a preacher and with my tiny kind of long arms. I could throw a curveball that would make you dive out of the batter's box because you thought it was going to hit you, but it'd still be a strike. That was what was happening when I was 16 years old. And so I started playing, went to the practices at, at, at the high school, and my coach really liked me. And, and this, but then when we came to our first practice on a Wednesday night, I, I came up to my, this is when we had church on Wednesdays like we do here. And, and I went to my coach and I said, hey, coach, is it possible that I could be on the team, but I, I, I need to go to church on Wednesday nights? And he looked at me and he said, Cole, I'm sorry, bud. That's just not how it works. If you're going to be on the team, then you're on the team. Got to be at the practices. You can't participate in games on Wednesday nights either. And sometimes we'll have a game on Wednesday night. And I looked at it. I'm 16 years old. I didn't have my dad, didn't have my mom, didn't have my stepdad, didn't have anybody standing behind me. I looked at that coach and I said, I'm sorry, coach. I guess I can't play baseball. And I, I don't, I still, when I say that, it hurts. Because I wanted to play baseball. It meant so much to me and I was good at it. But I knew that wasn't my destiny. At that stage, I already knew that God had a call on my life. And it couldn't be that baseball was in the middle of it. I'm not saying everybody, I mean, there are sports heroes and baseball stars and God's with them and God's using them and all that. But that wasn't supposed to be me. You're the only one that can really answer what putting God first looks like. You're the only one. Don't put it on your husband. Don't put it on your wife. Don't put it on your children. Don't put it, but I can't do that. Don't put it on your job. Don't put, you're the only one. What it looks like, what that can be. Could I have played baseball and loved God and served the Lord? Sure I could have. Maybe I would have even ended up in, in Bible college, like I did ultimately anyway. But who knows? Would I be standing here today if I didn't do that then? I don't really think so. Because that becomes the path of compromise. That's when God gets back to second place or third place or fourth place. That's how it starts. And only you can make those choices. You see, because God's looking for where you're putting your confidence. The craft and mind of men is, is, 
is to give after you've received. Listen to those words again from Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Or here it is, looks like the Amplified. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. So you get where you put your faith and your confidence. Luke 6, 38 puts it this way. Give and it will be given to you. Did you hear that? Give and you will receive. Where does it start? Yeah, what we want is for God to provide and then we'll give. (laughs) Woo! I'll start tithing, Lord. Soon as you start bringing in enough that I can give away that 10%. You know? Or here, here, here's what we do. We bargain with God. It's only 20 this week, Lord. I know I earned 500, but I, it's only 20 this week. And we bargain with God. That's not first. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom, into your being, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. God's looking for where you're putting your confidence. Let's move on. Miracles validate. My third main point. Miracles validate. The miracle validates who he is. Now, listen, I'm going to read the rest of the story because there's more to our story in 1 Kings 17. You'd think that the bread and oil, that miracle provision would be enough, right? You'd think that'd be enough. But look at what happens. We're now in uh, chapter 17, verse 17. Sometime later, all right? So some time has passed for the miracle provision. They've, God's supplied their needs. Every time she goes to the cupboard, there's enough flour, there's enough oil to bake some bread. Still with me? Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Then she said to Elijah, O man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was, staying, and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, why have you brought a tragedy to this widow (coughs) who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he would revive. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Then the woman told Elijah, I love this. Now I know for sure that you're a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. 
Notice, first of all, when her son dies, she blames Elijah. Isn't that what we do? Ultimately, Elijah heals her son, though. Notice her words, now I know for sure that you are a man of God. Apparently, all of the previous actions of God, every time she went back to that, wasn't that supernatural? I mean, when you had nothing after you scooped out that first batch of flour, but you came back the next day and there was flour there. You didn't think that was God? And I I know I know what was happening, and I'm going to help you to understand it. What happens is that in the face of tragedy or crisis, it's possible that you may struggle to believe God can get you through to the next great miracle. Any of you ever had that happen? Tragedy, crisis, tends to blur our vision, doesn't it? Even when we've seen God do something great in our lives, tragedy often blurs our vision. What did she see and hear in the first miracle that she somehow is missing now in this situation? That blurred vision can make us miss miss God's next great miracle. Do you have a previous victory or milestone? It's why we put this stone right here. It's called an Ebenezer stone, the stone of help. And, and it's a reminder of what God did over here. Do you have a provision of God that you can lay your hands on that's enough to say, well, if God did that then and there, I can truly trust Him over here now. Because that's what is supposed to happen. At least the woman went to the right source, didn't she? She comes back to Elijah and she says to Elijah, wait a minute. Why are you here? If my son can die and I know you can work miracles because I've seen them. You're going to let my son die? He says, give me your son. First fruits. Do you see what she's giving him? Where, where she would look at him and say, no, let me go bury my son. I just wanted to tell you how upset I am with you. No. She says, here. Sounds a whole lot like Mary at Lazarus' tomb. But even now, Lord, what you say will happen. I wonder who's sitting here listening to this preacher this morning and and you're on the verge, you're on the edge. God's trying to work a miracle, but you're fighting through. Can you point back to your Ebenezer? Can you point back and say, God, I saw you over here. Now I need to see you right here. I conclude with the word authenticity. Because Elijah was the real deal. Elijah didn't change between the first and the second great miracle. You still with me? 
like life in general, we begin to take for granted the things that become common to us. And that's what happened with this woman, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's flour again today. Oh, look at this. There's, there's oil again today. And then her son dies and she doesn't think anything about the 400 days uh, that have gone before that God's provided for her. And she's a widow woman. You'd think that that would have been enough, but the woman doesn't know it until this final miracle. She doesn't know it. What do I mean? The proof is in the pudding. Now I know that you are a man of God. Now I know that whatever the need, it's one thing for me to have food to eat, but you brought my son back from the dead. I said all of that to get to this. There is a credible reason the church is mostly ignored in America. I'm going to make that statement again because I want you to catch this first. There is a credible reason the church is mostly ignored in America. And this is going to hurt. But as the world explores the pudding of our lives, they're not finding proof of the God we proclaim. Yes, I said our lives. As the world looks at us, in other words, as the, as the world looks at the church, capital C, not just you, but it includes you. As the world looks at us, they're exploring the pudding of our lives and they're not seeing the actions of a miraculous God. We're often afraid to even say that we love Him and serve Him. Wish I could go back in time and three days after talking to that coach, ask him what he thought about that. I wonder if he thought, would this little boy, this little 16-year-old, hold to his convictions? Or if he thought, he'll be back. Wonder if he thought, is that, does he really love God like that? I mean, come on. We're often afraid to proclaim that we love Jesus with all of our hearts because we're not loving him with all of our hearts. And we don't tell people about Jesus because we know we don't have the power, the anointing to transform that situation that they're telling us about. Too often we don't exhibit the anointing and power that is needed to fend off Satan just our own lives. Hear me when I say this. If, if all you can do is cry at an altar because of the mess your life is, how are you going to help somebody else that's desperate? I mean, if that's all you've got, if every time you're seeking God with passion and hunger, it's because your life is such a mess. 
some point, you got to grow up enough in Christ that you've got what you need so you can survive and you can give some oil and bread to somebody else. Thank God Elijah wasn't walking around moaning and whining about what he didn't have. I mean, I'm a prophet of God. I should have a big house. I should have everything I need. Relying on some widow woman. Lord, you could give me. No, you don't hear that, do you? When, when she comes to Elijah with her son in her arms, Elijah looks at her and says, give me your son. And he knew. He was about to change the circumstances. I want you to be able to do that with people you encounter. So here's what must happen. We've got to start walking out Matthew 16, 19. This is what must happen. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Let me state that in the way that you're supposed to understand it. When you speak it with conviction out of your mouth, the mouth of God from heaven will command it to be so. There are great preachers who have gone far ahead of me that will say from that passage, pull it back up again, Teresa, that will say from that It's actually in a past tense form. Whatever you forbid on earth will have already been forbidden in heaven. But you have to speak it. Bake me a cake first. You have to come with the same kind of boldness and awareness. The spiritual depth and conviction that Elijah has, he can get something from nothing. If you bake me a cake first, then all of the cake that's necessary for your life and, and fullness will be provided. Elijah knows this. And when she comes now a second time, even after she should know better, with her child in her arms... He still has what he needs, doesn't he? Give me your son. Takes him upstairs. Doesn't, not one time, not two times, third time though. Prostrates his his body over the body of that child and says, okay God, you gave her this child. She understands I'm your representative. You got to do this now. Bring him back. And he comes back. You need that same power and ability so that when your friends, your neighbors, your family members look at you and say, what can you do? You don't look at them and say, I'm so sorry. I've got to send you over to go see Pastor Cole. He knows what to do. That's not the way God intended it. I know you think that I'm confused, but you're the preacher. You're supposed to know what to do. I know what to do when God wants me to do something, but I don't know what he wants you to do. 
around every turn and every corner, and there are people that only you can touch that I'll never see until you have worked what God wanted you to work in their lives, and then you bring them out to church and say, Preacher, I want you to know, look at what God did. (laughs) And then I'll help turn them into someone just like you so that when they touch someone else's life, their lives are turned around and, and everybody's worshiping God, praising God. Stand to your feet, church. I want you to see this last passage of scripture from John 14 verses 12 through 14 I tell you the truth anyone same word anyone anyone who believes in me will do say will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the father You can ask for anything, say anything, in my name, and I will do it. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. This is all all about bringing glory to God. Finally, yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So what's this all been about today? From the start of this service till right now, what God is wanting to do, what God is trying to do, is remind you of who you are. And I don't know just what the circumstances are right now for your life and situation. I do know this. I know that Holy Spirit is trying to get a hold of your life and your situation, your circumstance. And just like this widow woman needed Elijah to show up for her when, and she had to employ some faith, you're at the brink of something right now and you're having to believe God because if God doesn't show up, you're as desperate, you're in the same spot. You're baking your last cake so here's what I'm going to ask you to do if you're in some situation be it physical, financial emotional or familial or a marriage or a situation like that and you're on the brink you're you're seeing you know that God loves you you're not concerned as to whether or not God loves you but if God doesn't show up for you then it all seems hopeless. I want you to step out of your seat. I want you to come forward now to the altar. If that's you, if that's your situation, you need God to show up big for you in such a way that it seems impossible that what you're staring down right now, you don't seem to find any hope in but God. all of you that were wondering, yes, Pastor Cole's right eye is messed up, but I'm okay. Pastor Amy only hit me once and I'll get over it. 
not and would not. You guys have to get a hold of this principle. You have to. And I, and I know, yeah, I know a couple of the stories that are standing up in front of me right now. I know a couple of them. And I know they're desperate. I want you to understand something. This is your act of baking a cake first, and then you have to walk it out from today. You really have to walk it out from today. God must show up for you today. Now the first thing's first. I need to know that you know Jesus and that Jesus is in your heart and that you, you, you not only have heard about him as Savior, but you know him as your personal Savior. So that again, you just, just ask the Lord, forgive me of my sins, be my Lord and Savior. If that's what has you at this altar this morning, ask God to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins. The widow woman said to Elijah, did you come here to point out my sin? you're at this altar now just make sure there's nothing else between you and God and here's what's going to happen now moving forward this morning I want to do this I'm going to let the guys all of you men come over to my right side come over to this side of the altar all of the men just you ladies would y'all just scooch over a little bit this way because Pastor Amy is going to pray for you, ladies. And I'm going to pray for you guys. I just want an usher with each of us, if you don't mind. And all of you are not just observers. You're believing God right now for these who stand at this altar. Because I, I mean it when I tell you, some of them are in desperate situations really need God to show up so come on Ray we're looking for another a guy that's got a little backbone in him um, Rich Jr come on up here you can help out would y'all begin to pray in the spirit those of you who are filled with the Holy Ghost you begin to pray in the spirit If you're standing there yet and things are not right between you and God, you're out here in the audience, you you don't have such a tragedy that you felt like you needed to be up here, but the reality is you're not quite right with God and you know it, lift your hand right where you're at. Lift it up high. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you for being honest with me, this preacher, this morning. And, and, and y'all that have your hands up, you need to pray this prayer. I know that... I know I recognize a couple of you, and I know you've been in our church before, and you've prayed this prayer, but I want you to pray it again because you mean it now. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I admit I'm a sinner. Thank you, Jesus, because you died for me. You died so that I could be freed of my sins. I commit my life to you. Thank you for rising from the dead, Lord. And from this moment, I commit my life to you. I'm yours. 
Fill me up, Holy Spirit. And say these words with me, if you will, that just prayed that prayer. I am born again. I am made new in Christ Jesus. I'm His. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, come on, Brenda and Randy. Y'all step, oh, I see Maria there, but she's going to need to help Pastor Amy. Randy and Brenda, if you prayed that prayer and you didn't come forward uh, and, and such, would you, would you, these two people are going to be standing over here to the right. Would you go with them for a minute? If you raised your hand just now and prayed that prayer, I want you to do that. Now the rest of you, you believe God with me. Stretch your hands in this direction if you're able. Pray in the spirit, your spirit filled. Father, I thank you. Turn my mic on. I still believe you're moving. I still believe you're speaking. God, I believe you're working on things for good. I fix my eyes on heaven. God, I receive your vision. God, I Thank you. 
but especially those of you that are up front, you have to begin to speak differently to your situation. You cannot go back and talk like nothing's changed. From this moment forward, never allow a word to come out of your mouth that acts like what was before. From this moment forward, God has changed it. God is working it. And it's going to happen. It's not about to happen. It's going to happen. You have what you say. You have. I'm going to say that again. You have what you say you have. Death and life are right here in your mouth. Speak life. Always and only to that situation. Because God can bring dead things back to life at His Word. You speak His Word. Don't care what it looks like. Don't care how it feels. Speak His Word over it. God bless you. I love you folks. Have an amazing day in Christ Jesus. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift
or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.